Fast, efficient, and affordable business-grade hosting solutions, domain registration, SSL certificates, and more. We also monitor and provide website security and update services, website builds, email hosting, amongst other sensational products. If you have a question about your web page or your presence on the internet in general, no job is too big or too small. Visit our website today, or better yet, contact us at blueoceanwebhosting.com.au and leave your website issues to us. Big ones, little ones, fiddly ones, powerful ones. The ones for the car or the truck, caravan, boat, mobility scooter, solar system. In fact, for any kind of battery, go straight to Battery Central Ipswich. They'll even help you when you know what you need to power but have no idea what'll do the job. Battery Central Ipswich, 280 Brisbane Street, West Ipswich, in the Yellow Building. Expert advice, better batteries, best prices every day. That's Battery Central Ipswich. Welcome to episode 778 of the Aussie Tech Heads. I'm Jason Oakley and this is Will Tompkinson. Hey, Will. Good evening, sir. How's your stuff going? Yes. I got something interesting. <laughs> got a new yeah. case for my phone. You got a new phone to go in the new case? or Nope. Just instead <laughs> of the silicon one, oh, yeah. I got a nice pretend carbon fiber style and I got a screen protector now. My old one, I probably mentioned last week, had a crack in the screen protector so i took it off this one the case came with a screen protector that's not a screen protector so i was looking you know how you get that tempered plastic stuff that you stick on there yeah this one is a nano liquid they call it and it's on a little cloth thing like you get from kfc it's been um, yeah. drenched in that and you wipe that over the f the face of the phone and then leave it for a while and then once it's dry it hardens and then prevents scratches and dust and stuff from getting on it uh, it's like a diamond coat yeah I yeah i can see that i was looking through the packaging going where's the bloody plastic that i have to stick on here it's like there isn't one you just do this but the strange thing was the instruction said after you wipe the nano liquid on there wait five to 10 minutes before you use it. And then in Spanish, it said, wait five to 10 minutes to use it. But in French, it said, wait 10 to 15 minutes to use it. So they've got a different measurement of time in France to what the rest of the world does or something, because, or maybe it's colder there and it takes an extra five to 10 minutes. They know it's French. They know French are just inherently impatient and they're just really trying to push them. Yeah, this will piss them off. Make them, make them wait an extra. All right, why is it 5 to 10, 5 to 10, 10 to 15? What? Yeah, I got my new Xiaomi. Oh. Yeah, my Note, uh, what is this, Note, Note 12, Note 11. It's invisible. Yeah, it does that. Um, <laughs> and it's got the the fingerprint scanners, the power button, which the power button's actually recessed too, so it's not flush, so you can't accidentally bump it all the time. Yep. But, it's, yeah, it's also a fingerprint scanner if you press, if you hold it. Where did you get it from? Uh, Kogan. Kogan. Yeah. 
Because I've got to get Dad a new phone. I was thinking of going down to JB Hi-Fi on the weekend and check it out, what they got. Yeah. If you want this Yami stuff, Kogan's the best place to get. They do all this Yami stuff. Um, this is like the second most recent phone and it's 325 bucks or something. That's pretty good. You can get like the previous model from this one or you can get the... the is that the Mi um, thing? This is the the Redmi Note. Yeah. So it's got the bigger screen. But you just get the standard Redmi and it's... Um, or Redmi and it's like 210 bucks or something. All right. How long did it take to arrive? Um, four or five days. Yep. Yeah, it's pretty quick. Because Dad's got my old LG... Well, my daughter's old LG Leo from like, I don't know, 10 years ago or some crap. He's mm. had two phones since then. I've had probably four phones since then. But I put on Duolingo because he wanted to try it out because I've been telling him about how I was learning different languages. And you press on the icon to start it. And you wait half an hour. And then <laughs> 10 minutes later, literal... Not not over exaggerating or anything. Ten minutes later, it pops up Duolingo loading. Then the screen goes black for five minutes, and then it draws the screen on there, but no icons that you can tap on. Then you wait another five minutes, and you can tap on the icon to start it. It's just, Dad, look, I don't care. I'm going to get you a new phone because this is ridiculous. I ended up giving him one of my micro SD cards because he just kept on running out of space on the damn thing. Yeah. So as soon as I put Duolingo on there, I was like, move to SD card. But um, I disabled a bunch of stuff and moved as much as I could to the SD card because it, it's got like 8 gigs of RAM or something stupid yeah. like that. And I'm like, that's that's been too small for the <laughs> long time. Well, this is um, uh, 64 gig internal, 128 gig storage, and it has a micro... It has, so it's got a dedicated micro SD and it has dual SIMs that you can actually use simultaneously. Yeah. So you can have a Telstra or an Optus SIM, for example, simultaneously in there. Um, but if you're only using one SIM, you can put a second SD card in. All right. So, <laughs> so you, you can have you can have two, you know, two yeah, plus your 120 gig internal. Um, it's never going to run out. Yeah, and it's... Well, that's that what we real... used to say about megabytes. That's never going to run out. Who's ever going to use I've more got... than 50 megabytes? This one here is one of my first thumb drives I ever had. Oh, it's a key. Yeah, it's a key thumb drive. And that is... Um, it's either 32 or 64 meg. And it costs $500. <laughs> uh, at the time, and it's metal, it's aluminium. Yeah. Um, at the time, it was something stupid. It was $80 or something. Americans, that means aluminium. <laughs> but, um, yeah, there's not that there was much wrong. My old phone kept up. It was fast enough. It didn't have any problems running stuff. The battery life was just starting to degrade to the yeah. point where it's, I was only getting a day out of it instead of a week like I used to. Um, you know what the worst thing is, though? If Dad gets a message on his phone, and I, because he's getting old and stuff, I put on this really loud, obnoxious thing that plays a remix of um, Pet Shop Boys song. <laughs> and so it's going, but because it's, you have to turn it on at the back, then type, draw on your code to unlock it. Then you wait for it to unlock and it's still, okay, click on messages. Okay, messages are loading, loading. Okay, new message received. Click on the 
by then it's gone like five minutes by and you're still listening to this damn music going off and you're like, turn the bloody thing off. There's actually, if you do want a, because um, uh, this thing actually does come with some pretty loud ringtones by default, yep. but there is a program I use called Extra Loud Ringtones. All oh, right. And it's actually really good. It has some really... Yeah, I did a Google it, search for loud ringtones and downloads MP3 for it. Yeah. Well, this program's called Extra Loud Ringtones, and it's good because it lets you adjust the volume of the app right to the point where your speakers start to distort. Oh. So it won't actually damage the speakers, but it uses frequencies that are more obnoxious. Yeah. Just, they just, you know, pick them up. But, yeah, no, this thing's it's, it's nice. Um, 50 meg rear camera, 20 some odd meg front camera. Um, you know, it's it's got heaps, but it um, it's it's, it's not that much fast. I mean, it is especially the graphics chip is faster than my last phone. Yeah. But yeah, the biggest problem I had was just um, was just battery life. But Xiaomi makes it so easy. There's actually an app that comes built into the phone, but, and it's but just, does it's, it have storage that you can slosh around while tipping? Yes. Still has that. <laughs> um, a bitch with mine. <laughs> but it um comes with an app called Xiaomi uh, Migrate or something like that. And it's built into the phones. And you once it's logging into the phone, you click on that app and you select and you go to your old phone and it says, you know, enter the pairing number. You can be completely opposite of the country. It doesn't care. You just enter the same pairing number. It finds each other's phone and it goes, oh, so do you want to confirm this phone's going to replace this phone? You go, yep. And takes all the stuff off this phone, dumps it across onto that one. Takes all your SMSs, takes all your all your storage files, takes all your programs, all your passwords, everything that's on that phone. Takes it across that one. Um, well, I had all my data already backed up, so because I backed mine up onto the NAS once a week, so yep. um, I didn't have a lot of data on there. It what it does, it it copies the um, the passwords that are across, which don't take long, and all that text stuff doesn't take long, and SMSs don't take long. Um, then it copies across the program list. It doesn't actually copy the programs across because there could be different versions of OS and oh, different. So it just up automatically downloads the latest version of those programs. And then it gives you the option to go through and go, oh, I don't want that one, don't want that one, don't want that one. So you can remove stuff at the same Birds time. Versus zombies, yes. <laughs> Birds, yes. It comes with games, actually, which is cool. It comes with lemmings. Lemmings? Yeah. Um, you try and buy that on the app store and they charge you per level or something stupid they got microtransactions that's dumb oh really yeah um yeah, comes with, i would have bought it but not comes with lemmings comes with um pubg wow. comes with dual blast and bubble you know the bubble lineup bubble shop one so it comes with Overwatch. some cool games <laughs> but um for the price yeah can't the one they play fortnite Fortnite, yeah. yeah. Uh, Roblox. Oh, I forgot to say too. It's like Saturday or Sunday morning. I got Android 13 finally. Oh, okay. I was bitching about it last week. Where's my Android 13? <laughs> How come everywhere? I'm not going to join the beta program. I just want it. And then it's like next day. Hi, would you like Android 13? Yes, please. <laughs> yeah, this is still 12, but it's the last version of 12 with the security patches. So, yeah. I don't think it'll be long before they bring out 13. Um, but yeah, no, it's 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 good. I haven't really done much with the video yet other than make sure it really... Tell you what, the, bloody, the LED when you use it as torch, holy yeah. crap, it's bright. <laughs> like, the other one I thought was pretty bright, but this one lights up an entire 
lights up the whole street. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a car headlight. It's ridiculous. It's when, um, you get, when you get your Uber Eats getting delivered and you're like, yeah, just, just follow the light. Have you yeah. seen they, they do that with the um, uh, laser pens? Yeah. Shoot, shoot it up in the sky and they wave it around. They're like, Uber guy, can you see the light in the sky? Head this way. It's only a bit illegal. Yeah. <laughs> oh, there goes a plane. Yeah, exactly. So, I, and does this really cool. Oh, you can't really see it because of the thing. But when you get a message or something, yep. it doesn't turn the screen on in the traditional sense. It just makes like there's two wavy bars down the side of the screen. Just so you can see you've got a message, but it doesn't, like, if you're in the dark or whatever, it doesn't wind you. So it's pretty cool like that. The one thing that does work better on this than the old model is when you're in normal, like, standby mode when you've got your screen off. Um, The other one wouldn't always push notify properly. Oh, okay. Um, This one seems to do a much better job of push notifications, so. Sweet. Is it on the older Android 11 or something? Uh, No, it was still 12. 12. Um, But it was uh, was just better notification somehow it was a slightly older version um but yeah it was a um their actual their uh what do they call it the xiaomi mui i think it is mui their actual interface they use this has got a newer version of the interface on it oh okay (coughs) which is possible yeah maybe but um that's pretty cool but yeah it's still got the you know the only thing this one it's still got the like headphone jack on, on it as well as all the other stuff it's still got infrared so you still use it as an IR bike. Nineteen nineties. I use it. It's amazing how often. Like, <laughs> okay. The other day I went to the laundromat because our washing machine died. We finally got a new one, but yep. the other one died. And I was sitting in the laundromat and the TV wasn't on. I'm like, are you kidding me? So I downloaded the IR Blaster app and I scanned it until I found the codes for TV and I could sit there and watch TV. <laughs> so don't tell me that you don't need an IR Blaster. <laughs> you go down to the pub when the footy's on, click. I do it at the doctor's surgery and you do it all sorts of places. It's great. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it's got, did... this has got NFC as well, which this the other ones didn't. So that's the, the main reason I got this one is it has NFC. Is it lock, stock, and two smoking barrels? The, the guy was talking to the bartender, which was Danny John Jules, who's in Red Dwarf. Mm. And he's, he was talking all in uh, British slang. Yeah. But he was saying how. There was this guy, Rory, he was watching the footy and this guy came in and turned over the channel. And so Rory went out and he went went to the front of the place, picked up a fire extinguisher, uh, took it outside and put it just outside the front door. And this guy's like, what's going on? And then Rory comes back, takes a swig of alcohol, spits it in the guy's face and lights it while it's going and sets him on fire. <laughs> he had to run out the front because the only fire extinguisher was out the front door. Then he goes back and switches the footy back on and sits back there to watch his footy. <laughs> oh, no. But, uh, yeah, no, the IR blaster comes in handy, actually. I've used it for a few things because we've got... Um, I've got um, some stuff at work, like a couple of... Um, security monitors that are up yep. and they're just awkward to get to and do you think I can find the remote for them anymore? Nope. So I use it for those as well. Uh, tried doing data transmission over infrared once. That was um, painful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I actually could have typed the document faster than it copied it. You wouldn't want to do your Xiaomi sync through that. I did. What phone? What was that? Was it a phone? Oh, it was a Back in the day, I don't know what brand it was. It was a phone slash 
um, notepad kind of thing. Like I had a digital pen. Yeah. And you could kind of write documents. It was very bad, but it was also incredibly cool at the time because there was nothing else around that was like it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was the only way you could back it up. It had an infrared receiver that plugged into the USB port on your computer and you'd sit it in front of your computer overnight and it'd just sit there and sync overnight. <laughs> <laughs> and it'd do... Like, you'd have, like, a shopping list that had 12 items on it and it'd take, like, an hour and a half. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was great. That reminds me back in the day when I had a handspring visor prism phone, the old Palm Compatibles, and it had a IR program and it had IR on there, so I programmed it with all the TV remotes and air conditioning and stuff. You could just sit there... Tap on it with your little pen. Well, didn't the... Was it the Compaq or the HPs? Some of them, they used to actually use IR. You could you could send... I don't know if you could play... You know, send data to each other or something. Like it was Actually, yeah. they used to use it for something. I can't remember exactly. Yeah. Or was it the Nokia like N-Gage or something used to play battle each other? Or something like that. Yeah. You, could, you could... Yeah, they used to actually... It used to actually be fast enough to do... That sort of stuff, so... Just don't move your phone <laughs> half yeah. an inch to the left or it disconnects. Yeah. yeah, that's... Yeah, that's... The funny thing is with IR, if you block, like, the receiver at this end, yeah. it won't work. But if you block the... Or if you block the transmitter at this end, it won't work. But if you block the receiver at the other end, it'll go through your hand. Oh, okay. It's so weird. And then you get <laughs> just, cancer. I think it just does this really big spread, so even though your hand's in front of it, it can sort of bounce around it. But when you block the output, it can't spread yeah, yeah. <laughs> so but uh those are the good old days way back when i was young <laughs> so anything but, else we've been uh, up to weather's uh, gone crazy again how's oh, up it, to like five degrees overnight last few nights yeah we've had two and three the last few nights and then we've had you know 20 it wasn't too bad today because uh, it wasn't too bad yesterday because there was a breeze, but today there's no breeze and it was like 28 or something again. We got we got snow up the mountaintop nearby again. They yeah. had to block the roads off and, not, and the Blue Mountains roads got black ice. We said, like, yep. watch out when you're going to work today. Yeah, they've, and they've had hailstorms and all That's sorts of random stuff. It's been weird. But they, they reckon that there's supposed to be another cold front coming through next week and then they reckon that's the end of it. Oh, right. So we'll see. Then we, then we just <laughs> wait for the floods. And uh, yeah, well, exactly. That's How are they right. Doing with Lismore now. Um, I don't know. They got a storm through there the other night, and everyone on Facebook was freaking out. I don't, I don't think it led to anything, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's understandable. <laughs> yeah, they must be so, rebuilding there. Uh, it's not. I don't know. I don't know. It. it they call it, you know, resilient. There's actually even a, a Facebook page called Resilient Lismore, but. I don't know. I think people are finally figuring out that the Lismore Basin is not the place you want to be because a lot of businesses either moved or just didn't bother to reopen. Get out of Dodge. Um, because, like, then go to Ganella Bar or Lismore Heights or or um, Morala or any of those places not actually in Lismore but within two-minute drive. Yeah. And you're not in the basin. You know, like, I think... <sighs> people are finally realizing it's like a lot of the houses or <laughs> so many of the houses haven't even been assessed for insurance yet like they're just they're gonna be teardowns yeah um but there's so many places that haven't even had insurance assessments done yet so 
you've still got like they've got the whole showgrounds is just all um, caravans and RVs and stuff, and you've got temporary accommodation in Ballina and Evans Head and and all these other places in the area just to try and house the people until they can figure out what they're doing. But technically, if the way I understand it, if these houses get um, if these houses get condemned because of flood, they're in a flood zone. Therefore, you can, if it's an existing structure, you can rebuild it, but you can't like tear down a house and put another house there. Oh, okay. You can only rebuild the existing house or building. So, I think there's going to be a lot of places that that just are going to just be empty blocks again. Um, I don't know. We'll see. How'd you end up going with your insurance and flood <laughs> stuff still going? Don't ask. It's, it's still carrying on. It's still a saga. I got, I got, well, hope I'm supposed to find out this week, but I'm running out of this week. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> they did approve the laundry, which is the absolute smallest. Like there was literally nothing in there. There was a washing machine and um a bit of plasterboard on a couple of the walls and that was it so they naturally they proved that immediately <laughs> um and the upside is we got a new washing machine now which was cool yeah so that's just good timing because our old washing machine died <laughs> um so we've got a new aeg front loader oh how's that go it's awesome it's really cool um it does the you could the it'll do a 20 minute wash it's the shortest wash it'll do and I discovered this morning that if I, well, last night, that if I press a combination of like soak and extra soak and double spin and pre-wash, and so it's a six and a half hour cycle. <laughs> might take a while. So it's good. You can put it on before you go to bed and it's just about finished when you wake up. <laughs> uh, with mine, yeah. usually go for cold wash, goes for about an hour, 20 yeah same, well same again for the dryer i can do like a normal wash a normal a standard wash i guess you call it i think is like an hour 40 or something yeah you can do a cold you can it auto it heats the water too so if you only want to do cold water in which is all we've got you can set it to different temperatures yeah and then it's got a uv desterilization mode you can have if you want to sterilize stuff it's got a steaming mode so if you've got stuff that like um, wrinkles really easy. You can steam it just before you take it out and hang it up, and so it doesn't oh, wrinkle. Nice. It's got uh, what they call a dryer bone mode, which is or so you can put in um, stuff like that, canvases and dryer bones and stuff that need to be waterproofed, and you can run it through the the thing with the chemical, and you can waterproof it all. And <laughs> wow. yeah, it's <laughs> it's got all this. All Our this overseas listeners are like dryer bone. What are you talking about? <laughs> bone. Dry as a bone. Mm, that's that's how that's what it keeps you. So <laughs> I'm not I'm not helping, am I? No, that's the thing. You wear your dry you wear your dryer bone, your kubu, and your bloodies, and your set. Yeah. Yep. And you have your wine corks dangling around the front. <laughs> no, 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 Aussie does that. Keeps your bloody flies off, doesn't it? No, Come Aussie on. does that. <laughs> that's what Americans Down by the billabong. <laughs> While you're drinking your Forsters. Yeah, you Forsters. <laughs> Because every, every, I think in my life I've met one person, legit Aussie, who drinks Fosters. <laughs> like, it's just... Yeah. And that's only because he, 
Well, no, he drink fast. He drank fasters. He used to drink um, uh, Coopers, um, but he started doing a lot of traveling overseas to vet vet. Uh, was it Vietnam? I can't remember. But he did a lot of traveling overseas. And he discovered the only beer that he can buy everywhere in the world is Foster's. <laughs> so, Australia. Australia. Yeah. Most pubs don't even serve it anymore. You can find it at some bottle shops, but anywhere else in the world, you can find it. So he just drinks Foster's now and and uh, he can travel anywhere and he doesn't have to worry about switching drinks. He's I used just... to have a few different ones, but there was this bar at um, Broadway, Sydney that I went to. So I had a pool table and I used to meet a friend there occasionally. And it was a Tui's bar. Oh, yeah. They had all the different Tui's brands, but nothing else. So I'm like, oh, I drink this. No, we don't have that. You can have Tui's or any of the Tui's brands. Spam, 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 spam. Yeah. <laughs> well, I was like, Dad was a truckie for eons, and he used to drink Forex. Uh, yep. And um, once he started doing international, international, um, interstate uh, long haul, um, he swapped to VB because oh. you can you can pick up VB anywhere in the country, but you can't get you, well back then you couldn't get Forex anywhere off the east coast. So, um, so yeah, he switched to VB. So that's Keep only it consistent. Yeah, well, I think that's why a lot of people drink um, Corona now because yep. you can get Corona anywhere now, whereas it used to be a very boutique beer. But yeah, I don't like Corona. <laughs> no, I don't mind. It's one of the few beers I drink. Corona. I went with some friends to the Melbourne Casino, and oh, yeah. um, I bought us all Coronas. And they're like, "What do we do with the lime? Do you take a sip of it and a drink?" And I'm like, <laughs> "It's not tequila." No, you just push shove it in it, the bottle. Push it in the bottle. Oh, yeah, you drink it. Wow, that's different. Yeah, although it's funny because like most people don't normally do that. That's a, that's a special. <laughs> this. <laughs> It's only when that's that, that's why you pay seven dollars a stubby instead of four. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> you pay for the lime. <laughs> oh, crazy stuff. Shall we do some news then? No, oh, let's try that for something different. Plex users may want to change their passwords as soon as they're able. The digital media player and streaming <laughs> service said a bad actor, bad actor. <laughs> Which one's that? Tom Cruise? I don't know. Nick Cage. Nick Cage had infiltrated its system in a letter sent to users affected by the breach. In it, the company has revealed that it immediately started an investigation after it saw suspicious activity in one of its databases. Based on what it saw, Plex said it does appear that a third-party entity got access to a subset of its data, which includes people's emails, usernames, and encrypted passwords. Even Troy Hunter of Have I Been Pwned was affected. As he noted in his tweet, there's nothing anyone can do to be exempt from service hacks, but using a password generator and 2FA make their impact much less severe. To note, he encountered an error when trying to change passwords and found that not signing out of existing devices made the switch go through. Plex said it has already addressed the method the bad actor used to infiltrate its system, but it didn't elaborate on what method that is or what vulnerability the hacker exploited, if any. The company also vowed to do additional reviews to make sure its systems are further hardened to prevent future incursions. For now, Plex is requiring all users change their passwords out of an abundance of caution, even if all the passwords a hacker got are hashed. It's also assured that all users in its letter doesn't store credit card numbers and other payment data in its servers, so the bad actor wasn't able to get access to them. Yeah, I signed into my Plex today and 
change the password, and then it just says, do you want to sign out of all devices? Yes, please. Shouldn't you sign out of all devices before you change the password? If you sign out, then how do you sign in to change your password? Well, not the one you're on. Yeah. If you sign out (laughs) at all devices, it also signs you out of the one you're on. Well, that's just dumb. Yeah. You see, um, you know the Corridor crew? Yeah. They do all the special effects. Have they got, uh, their YouTube got hacked. Oh. Um, they lost all their everything. Password123 isn't secure, um, guys. <laughs> that's exactly what they said. <laughs> 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 They're like, damn, I shouldn't, knew I shouldn't have used my luggage for my password. <laughs> zero, 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 zero. That's the combination of my luggage. And, um, no, one, two, three, four, five. Um, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so they they got they noticed because they start getting Instagram and tweets and stuff from everyone going, "Hey, the page is down." And by the time they got into work and looked it up, there was somebody restreaming a live stream of something on there. Yeah, and they'd hidden all the videos. And um, luckily, they didn't delete them. No, well, luckily one of the well one of the guys, um, one of the editors, was currently logged in. To a valid session because he was working yeah. he didn't know anything was going on because he was in the videos back end doing stuff but he was the only one who was logged in nobody else could get in because they changed the 2fa authentication so oh, it locked no. everybody else out <laughs> but because this guy was still active session they had access to it so they managed to get back in and kick the other guy um, out. they well they couldn't didn't have that because they only had editor's permission yep so they had to do a few things and they eventually got onto someone from youtube and because um, they're a, a partner, so they got one of their, they have handlers and whatever, yep. got onto that and got it all done. But that's another example, too, if I screwed them over. If they didn't have 2FA, they could have logged back in and, and got around it because cause they had 2FA and they'd already changed the details as to where the 2FA was going. They couldn't, they they couldn't do it. Yep. So they got screwed over by 2FA again. But, yeah, they got in and <clears throat> by the time they got in, they, they deleted all their videos. Uh, and to shut the channel down, they the hackers had from one of the other channels, we're assuming, um, had claimed a copyright strike on the entire channel. So the whole channel was actually suspended for copyright strike pending investigation. Plus, I deleted all the videos. Thanks, and this is uh, a YouTube partner. You imagine who the little guys got for copyright mm. strikes. We got a copyright strike today from. God knows three, when three, the video... Three, four years ago. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that'd be a live stream. That'd be pre... Four, at least four years ago since we've done a live stream. Yeah. yeah. Ow! What did I just kick? Oh, there's something sharp under my table. <laughs> it, it is painful doing live oh, streams. Um, but yeah, they ended up getting it all back. Like, they YouTube managed to roll it all back and, and whatever. But yeah, could you imagine if you were just... You know, the little guy didn't have a partner or whatever and you just... That happened? Like, I, I, you actually hear of it happening... Um, quite a lot. There's a lot of channels I follow who have had some form of attack. You know, once they get up, how in, they get in there? Uh, YouTube is so full of loopholes. Um, it's not that hard, but they don't. They only pick on the bigger channels because they get an instant, you know, million plus audience. Yeah. Um, they don't do it on the smaller channels. There's no point. So, sort of being small has its advantages. They don't worry about it. But no, the same as Twitch. The amount of times I've seen talk about Twitch, who have streamers who have had their um, streams, you know, interrupted or taken over. Supposedly impossible, but unless you have the key. But yep. 
it happens a lot. So they used to do it to Zoom, but they don't do it so much anymore. No, I think they've realised that people all you could do is turn on the waiting room now, and the worst thing you can do is sit in the waiting room. <laughs> <laughs> you can't do anything, so there's no point now. We hacked the waiting room, guys. Okay, <laughs> just stay yeah. there. You can just wait there till we're done. <laughs> so yeah, I don't know, but um, then you let them in at the end of the show to find out who it is. <laughs> yeah. Hi guys. That's it. Speaking of hackers, uh, a victim of a ransomware attack paid to restore access to the network, but the cyber criminals didn't hold up their end of the deal. The real-life incident detailed by cybersecurity researchers at Barracuda Networks, Barracuda, took place on August 20... No, it's not 21st. Took place on... Or in... or that's People, proofread your documents. Wow. That should be took place in... No, it shouldn't be. It should be took place on August in 2021. Yeah, I fixed it for you. When hackers from Black Matter Ransomware Group used a phishing email to compromise the account of a single victim at an undisclosed company. For the initial entry point, the attackers were able to expand their access to the network by moving literally around the infrastructure, laterally around the infrastructure, ultimately leading to the point where they were able to install hacking tools and steal sensitive data. Stealing sensitive data has become a common part of ransomware attacks. Criminals leverage as part of their extortion attempts, threatening to release a ransom if it isn't received. The attackers appear to have had access to the network for at least a few weeks, seemingly going undetected before systems were encrypted and ransom was demanded <coughs> to be paid in Bitcoin. Cybersecurity agencies warn that despite networks being encrypted, victims shouldn't pay ransom demands for a decryption key because it only shows hackers that such attacks are effective. Despite this, the unnamed organisation chose to pay the ransom after negotiating payment down from half the original demand. But even though the company gave in to the extortion demands, the Black Matter group still leaked the data a few weeks later, providing a lesson in why you should never trust cyber criminals. Cybersecurity responders from Barracuda helped the victim isolate the infected systems, bring them back online and restore them from backups. Following an audit of the network, MFA again was used and that's determined how they got in. <laughs> this Again, multi-factor everything. Ah, um, yeah, they, were, they suggested that they they um, a few months after the incident, um, Black Matter announced it was shutting down with the recommendation that those using the ransomware service scheme should switch to Lockbit. Called about Barracuda's proposed ransomware attacks on the rise, with more than double the number of attacks targeting key sectors. So, yeah, so basically, um, stop using 2FA and MFA because people get lazy and rely on it. Yep. That's the biggest reason it fails. It's not that the, there's inherently 2FA and MFA theoretically is more secure. The issue is when you're relying on it to be secure and you're not taking the precautions you would take if you didn't have it. Yep. I'll give you an example. Um, we've all heard of, love him or hate him, or for better or worse, but we've all heard of Linus Tech Tips. Now, when Google first introduced its 2FA, then they have multiple editors, they have multiple people, they're not all on location, they work from remote from home, they work from different places. So every time somebody would log in, it would ask them for 2FA because it's coming from a different computer. So it goes, hey, you're on that one five minutes ago, now you're on this one. So it would continuously ask them for their 2FA. So they devised a system where they had an Android tablet sitting in the office on charge all the time that had virtual machines or virtual terminals or something running that would automatically, um, every time someone would send a request, it would automatically hit the the um, the app, the um, 
I've got a complete blank, but the the, the app that it uses, yeah, um, whichever app that was I was using, and it would send the 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 code across so that they could log it into their system. The problem is this was a physical tablet sitting. Okay, it was in the server room, but it was a physical tablet sitting there in the server room with the screen on all the time, displaying all this data because it's the only way they could get it to work. Yeah, you know so. The problem now lies that you've now got not only do you have this app sitting there that anybody can see with the most recent, you know, code to get in, it also means that you're now sending clear text to somebody. So, somebody sitting behind you or standing behind you, they can see the clear text going through on the screen. So, (laughs) you know, you're not like, and he's not the only, I'm, I'm not singling him out as a bad example. There's, I've heard of multiple examples, but this is a massive company with a lot of staff, a lot of infrastructure, a lot of security, and a lot of know-how. Yeah. Yeah. Reasonable amount of know-how. <laughs> <laughs> if you've ever watched Linus, you know, the knowledge is, is, is questionable sometimes. But um, in theory, they're a relatively secure company. They have to be to, to do what they do. Uh, so you can imagine a, a company that's not familiar with technology at all trying to come up with a similar solution. Yeah. You know, um, we did the same thing at work. We had a, a phone sitting there running the login app all the time that had Remote Viewer on it. And when we wanted to log in, we'd log into Remote Viewer, look on the phone, access the app, and then switch back to the, the login screen. Because it's the only way we could do it, have, you know, work from home or from the office and yeah. still have access to the, the data. Yeah. So... Such a pain in the ass. But yes, also, this is the other downside to it. Don't trust hackers. They're inherently not trustworthy by the fact that they're hackers. (laughs) Don't expect them to release your data solely back to you and not keep a copy of it. (laughs) I saw saw a story today. I think it was a woman in Queensland and her and her husband had saved up some money, got a deposit for a house. They got it all approved. And then they got an email from the real estate company saying please send your deposit to this bank details and had the BSB and account number and details and that. So they did. And then the next day the uh, real estate rang them up and said, we'd like to organize you to send us that deposit now. They're like, oh, we sent it last night. They're like, we didn't get it. Where'd you send it to? We hadn't even asked you for it or provide any details yet. They're like, yes, you did. Look, here's screenshots of your emails. And it was legit emails from the real estate. And they're like, well, what's happened to it? They got the bank to look into it and the bank had traced that it had been sent to this bank account and then transferred into Bitcoin and went offshore. But yeah. what it turned out was the real estate agent's network had been hacked. Had been hacked, yeah. So when the real estate agent goes home, they log in, read the real estate agent's emails and sent an email off to these people who just bought a house saying, here's the details for the deposit. So it's not like you could see, oh, this... There's a, a spelling, yeah. missed a typo with the domain or the email address or is going to Gmail or Hotmail. It was the actual real real estate email address from their mm. own computer. But the hackers had got into their network and sent the email to them saying, send your 40,000 deposit to here. So they did. At least the insurance companies, uh, insurance, the real estate company's insurance would have paid for that. So. I should think so, yeah. But yeah, and that happens. That's surprising. And, and if you actually want to get a bit more of an idea of a workings, go on to um, Scammer Payback on YouTube. Uh, they do a few things, but their most recent one, they've been in the works for quite a while. It took them a long time to pull this off. 
They actually created their own anti-scam call center. <laughs> um, they're using all the same software and tools that that scammers use, but they're actually intercepting um, because they've got insiders in a lot of the call centers. They have a lot of access to databases and usernames and passwords, and they can see when people are being called. And they literally intercept the calls. Nice. And when the calls get to a certain point, they'll actually either cut them off or they'll ring the the people and say, hey, this is a scam call that you're listening to on the other line. You know, don't go ahead with it. Yeah. Um, and it's amazing how, how many people are like, oh, really? I, I was unaware. You know, like it, it's a lot of people are like, yeah, something didn't sound right. Yeah. And I, I wasn't going to do it anyway. But a lot of people are legit like, I, oh, it seemed fine. I thought it was really Amazon, you know. Yeah, well, I got, I nearly got kind of caught when I was in <coughs> Brisbane. I got a phone call, and they're like, hi, this is your bank. It was Bank West at the time. Um, we're just checking for this transfer or whatever it was. I was like, oh, yeah, that's it. They're like, oh, we have to get your name, uh, date of birth, address to make sure that we're talking to the right person. And I was thinking, should, should I? And I went and gave them the info, and they're like, oh, yeah, everything's good. And then I went into the Bank West... Um, building and i was like did you guys just call me because <laughs> i just had someone and i don't know if it's bank west or not because it doesn't say that on the on the phone when they ring with the caller id or anything because it's all from private numbers and they had a look at the account they said i oh, know we did have somebody in our uh, sydney office give you a call about that matter about 20 minutes ago so i was like oh thank goodness <laughs> for that but that's the problem they ring you and they have to verify you but you can't verify them so i don't yeah they ring me and go, oh, can you just provide a I'm No, you rung me. Yeah. You contacted me with the number that you have on file for me. I answered the phone with my name. I am that person. I am that person. So unless you? you, you know, <laughs> if, you, if you can't handle that, too bad. Yeah. It's obviously not important and, you know, it can wait. Yeah. Oh, no, but we need to say, well, you've got two choices. You can get off your ass and come and see me because you know where I work. Or you can tell me over the phone now because you know who I'm the person who you rung the work phone and knowing that I answered it. So what's your choices? <laughs> like you specifically say on your website, do not give out details to unknown persons. Yeah. You call me from a private number. You're an unknown person. So unless you'd like to change that, you, can from anywhere. <laughs> you know, so it actually, it works really well because normally what they'll do then is they'll send me an email with details and a direct line to contact somebody because you know i'm like that's why didn't you just do that in the first place yeah <laughs> <laughs> you could have saved all this hassle oh, so yeah no i don't give out my details over the phone if people want you, like the fact that you rung me and i answered the phone isn't good enough for you yeah then too, too bad, bad. <laughs> <laughs> telstra is making wi-fi free at three thousand pay phones from today Hang on, to... hang on. Back up. Where they find 3,000 payphones? Exactly. <laughs> In the dump. <coughs> and it tends to upgrade its entire network of phones to support free Wi-Fi over the coming years. Group executive for consumer and small business, Michael Ackland, said the move built on an earlier one that made standard calls and SMS free from payphones in August last year. Ackland said a priority under the initiative was for Telstra to provide enhanced power resilience and Wi-Fi capability for 1,000 payphones in disaster-prone regional areas. Maybe this more. No, because the payphones are in front of the post office. It goes underwater every time it rains. <laughs> Hello? <laughs> Can you so, save me? We're drowning here. <laughs> so that's not real useful. Because <laughs> that, 
<laughs> okay, yeah, keep going. The telco said almost 19 million free calls have been made from Telstra payphones in the past year, including more than wow. 250,000 calls made to critical services like Triple Zero and Lifeline. Centrelink was the most dialed service from payphones in the past year, it said. <laughs> Something said for that. <laughs> call Centrelink and you'll be on hold for seven hours. Yeah, and your phone goes flat. Yeah. So now you can sit in the telephone booth on the street corner in the freezing cold or boiling well, hot and wait for them to answer. I'm trying to think. I don't think anywhere I go, I've seen a payphone. Even one at like, even the ones that used to have in shopping centers and stuff. I don't think I've seen, the only payphone I even remotely know, well, apart from the ones in Lismore, which, well, they're not there anymore anyway. Um, the only one I know of is the one at the Gimpy Ute Muster site. There's a couple of payphones there. Uh, well, they get free Wi-Fi um, now. Well, they always have. <laughs> they've always because they've always had. That's always been a Wi-Fi hotspot there. Um, but well, because they've used satellite to um for the internet there because it's, it's they're self-contained. They've got solar and battery backups and because nice. they're in, literally in the middle of nowhere, they're in the middle of a ten thousand acre paddock. Um, but they're the only ones I even know of where they exist anymore. <laughs> I didn't realize it's not, I'll tell you what, that's not bad. 9,000 pay phones and how many, what, a million, a million calls? Yep. That's actually not bad. I mean. 19 million free calls. Oh, 19 million. Yep. From nine, from 9,000. Wow. That's actually, they're pretty busy phones. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> There's there's a there's a, a queue for public phones somewhere. Given that there's only one or two in an, in an area, like yeah, you know, used a lot. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they probably they probably got a bar stool in there, and they got a you know they're just a sitting bar. there. Yeah, probably, yeah, <laughs> that's what it is. It's it's Uber. That's what gets you in. <laughs> <laughs> it's the local Uber depot. It's tapped into the payphone network. Nice. Speaking of uh, internet and phones and whatnot, yep. the government asked to reconsider future NBN mobile funding injections. Oh. Um, the federal government should reconsider the way it pumps money into the NBN upgrades, mobile towers, and other communication infrastructure because the benefits of these injections aren't transparent, the Productivity Commission has said. In an interim report on digital technology released overnight, the commission criticised what it saw as a lack of transparency in how the investments are made to digital infrastructure by the government and which priorities are pursued. In particular, the commission singled out investment in NBN upgrades such as the $480 million government injection to upgrade the fixed wireless uh, network announced earlier this year, as well as the government's mobile black spot program and regional connectivity program. <laughs> None of those work. Allocating funds under programs such as NBN, MSP, MS, M M RSPCA, what? MBSP and RCP to specific areas or connection types means less funding available for investment in other locations or technologies. There's limited transparency about how such trade-offs have been weighed and its decisions made appropriately considered the relevant benefits and costs. The communications of these funding injections were often opaque and the government released too little information about its decision-making. For example, while it's clear that much of the MS MBSP program targets investment in regional and remote areas, there's a opacity around how the mobile sites are prioritised and selected for government investment. No, it's not. 
It's whoever's in government at the time, whoever their local member is, gets prioritised. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's not that hard to figure not, out. It's not really hard to figure out. Um, so, yeah, so basically they're saying that um, you know, the 22-23 budget included a $480 million grant to upgrade the NBN's fixed wireless towers, but it's unclear, unclear how the decision was made to allocate government investment towards this connection type or the locations currently surfaced. Well, I just answered that. So... <laughs> Yeah, so basically they're saying, um, surely they can't just be singling out the NBN for this. I mean, like, you find me one government department that's actually transparent on where its money goes. None. <laughs> There's not one. Why, why, why are they singling out the NBN and mobile towers? Like, <laughs> they don't even spend that much money on that infrastructure compared to other stuff. No. You know, um, like submarines. <laughs> So it was, that was a great investment, that was. And trains uh, that are not Oh, did you see, who, who was it? We gave, oh, I can't remember who it was now. We gave $500 you know, million dollars or something to someone for disaster relief. Yep. Like Bali or something. And they went out and bought like 20 F-111s or something with the money. <laughs> <laughs> so, but yeah, it's... um. It's, I mean, I, I get it. And, you know, knowing some people who work in the industry, uh, NBN installs and mobile tower specifically, um, there it is a very wasteful environment. Um, the batteries they use for the battery backup for the towers, for example, are one of the most expensive batteries on the market brand-wise. They're not necessarily actually any better, but they're incredibly expensive, so they appear to be better. Yeah. They have a 10-year service life and a 20-year standby life, and they replace them every two years. Uh-huh. So they literally spend nearly $1,000 per battery, uh, and most of these, most of the, well, at least most of the towers around here have got about 24 batteries in them on average. Yeah. Um, so it's about 24 grand every two years they're spending on batteries. Whereas that's that, a good deal there, haven't they? Yeah, where they're supposed to be 10-year batteries, so they could either leave them in for 10 years and spend 24 grand over 10 years, or since they change the amount in two years, spend $200 on the battery and put 24 of those in and change them out after two years. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> just, just there, they're saving, you know, times by how many towers are there, you know. Yeah just there they've got to be saving multiple millions of dollars just by doing that let alone anything else they could be doing yeah too much waste it's pathetic but they're right there's no transparency but on top of there being no transparency there's no accountability yeah if a government department goes over budget by i don't know 100 million dollars they go oh well we'll try not to do that next year too bad <laughs> <laughs> like whoopsie yeah. Geez, sorry, money anyway. I mean, I know we didn't fix the roads, but at least we thought about it this year. Yeah. <laughs> Spent the money to not fix it. You know, and the, well, that's exactly the thing. Like, you know, they keep saying, oh, we've got to put up registrations and we've got to put up, um, you know, uh, fuel excises and stuff so we can pay for the roads. Like, yeah, but how about you use the money we've been paying for the last 40 years on these processes to fix the roads and actually put it into the roads? Instead of just putting it into your pocket. Yeah. Because we all know that's what you do because you don't put it on the roads. No. <laughs> Money for meats. Yeah, exactly. So, 
I don't know. I don't think it's going to go anywhere, especially given that it's just another productivity commission and everybody knows whether it's the ACCC or the, you know, any of these commissions, they're all toothless. They, this is about as, you know, aggressive as they can get. Like, oh, yeah, look, I just read that they're going to, they've announced there's going to be a Robo Debt Royal Commission. <laughs> so is that going to have teeth on it? Probably not. He's going to say, the government did very bad things installing this at Centrelink, and they go, they should not do that. Yeah. Okay, and on to... Next time we need to use a private company so it's not directly attainable to us. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that's what they just hear. They'll, they'll just put it all on to uh, Spur and go, here, Spur, you handle that. Yeah. <laughs> you, you do all that dirty work for us, so you can do that as well. <coughs> so... User numbers on the once default 100 meg NBN tier that came with an up to 40 meg uplink fell by the greatest percentage in almost two years in the quarter end of June 30. Across all fixed line access technologies, there are now just 346,221 100-42 subscribers. Exactly two years ago, they were nearly double that at 639,857. Numbers have been declining since NBN Co. decided to introduce the 100-20 meg tier, which it brands as Home Fast. <laughs> Cutting the uplink was seen as a way to fund increased connectivity virtual circuit CVC bandwidth inclusions that would make 100 meg services look more performant, cheaper, and attractive to users. NBN Co. retained the 140 tier with the improved uplink speed sold as an add-on speed boost. But the take-up of 40 meg uplink speed has been more or less long-term decline, aided by retail service providers that are making it difficult to purchase or that decided to stop selling it altogether and are forcibly moving users to the 120 plan instead. The exodus out of the 140 meg tier accelerated at the quarter to June 30, new figures released by the ACCC show. Across all fixed-line technologies, the number of 140 subscribers fell from 398,491 to 346,221 just three months. <coughs> the last time the quarter-on-quarter percentage decline exceeded 13% was for three months ended December 31, 2020. An NBN spokesman said that ongoing declines are commercially driven. Most internet retailers have positioned 120 as their primary 100 meg speed tier for residential customers. For some months, internet retailers have been proactively communicating to their legacy 140 residential base and degrading their, downgrading their service to 120. The migration is not linked to network capability, but is rather commercially driven. However, the migration plan to plans with lower uplink speeds was very much intentional on the NBN Co's part. Its move to introduce highly asymmetrical residential plans in the first place was a very deliberate demand-generated strategy and exercise to encourage users to upgrade to higher-tier plans, <coughs> in part by producing constructs that made those plans cheaper. And so, while the early exodus of customers from 140 plans is likely to have been customers that did not have much need for the uplink downgrading to 120, to save a bit of money, the exodus more recently is more caused by RFPs withdrawing the 140 plan entirely. Hmm. I don't understand where this thought process comes from that data costs money. Hmm. Data transfer is free. Once you have the infrastructure in place, it doesn't matter what you transmit at. Yep. It's irrelevant. The... <laughs> 
Everybody this, should be on a gig. Yeah. The, the, Up and the, down. You know, there's it doesn't cost any more to transmit 10 meg of data at 100 meg or 10 meg of data at 1,000 meg. It, it's the same amount of data. It doesn't change the amount of data that's being transmitted. It's a bit... And in theory, the faster the network, the better, the, the less the congestion because the data is being transferred faster and it's not getting in everybody else's way. Yeah, if everyone gets their Windows <laughs> update super fast, then... Well, no, yeah, that, but I mean, even at, you know, like, you can, in, for the most part, you know, it's big slowdowns at like four o'clock when all kids get home from school and... You know, they all load Steam at the same time, and Steam, being Steam, has to update every time you open it. Yep. So suddenly there's, you know, 100,000 people in your area updating Steam at 4 o'clock in the afternoon. Well, if they got their Gigabit connection and downloaded it and updated it in 12 seconds instead of 25 minutes, then you wouldn't have a... You, you wouldn't have a congested network for two hours. You'd have a congested network for 15 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> they would slow, they'd be slightly staggered in that case. Yeah, exactly. Because you wouldn't be so much overlap because it's happening so much quicker. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, it's... It, <laughs> the, the whole thinking about this process is completely the wrong way around. Yeah. You want to increase your network efficiency, you don't cap the speeds of people, you decap it. That's why NASA's, like even cheaper nasty NASA's, have two gigabit ports on them. And so they can get the data in and out and off the NAS, so the NAS is under less stress for a shorter period of time. It's got nothing to do with how quickly you get your file. That's irrelevant, or how much data you're transmitting. Yep. It's purely to make the NAS more efficient by giving you that data as quick as possible and I'm freeing up resources to do the next job. You know, like, <laughs> I, I don't know. Maybe it's... Maybe Why is there always a congestion in the evening? Nobody knows. Just one yeah. of those things. It's to say, if you ever watch, your, if you've got a um, power meter installed or you've got a um, an inverter that has a power meter built in that monitors it, you watch the power sag at six o'clock in, the, you know, between like five and seven. You watch your voltage drop from anywhere from two twenty to two thirty down to like two hundred, yep. because everybody starts cooking, everybody gets home, everybody starts having showers, hot water systems come in. Cookers come on, fridges are open and closed, fridges kick in, washing machines and dryers all kick in. Like, <laughs> you know, it's it's the same same thing with, with the internet. The only difference is, like, that's that's not data, that's power. So it's irrelevant in terms of how much loading. It just, but you can see the same effects. Whereas with data, you, you know, you imagine if that, that let, okay, you could, exi you could do that. So imagine everybody had a washing machine that turned on at four o'clock in the afternoon. And it took two hours to do a wash cycle. So from four to six, the power's going to be sagged. But if these washing machines suddenly could do the same load in 15 minutes, and then half, you know, a quarter of people got home at four and put it on, some people got home at quarter past, some people got home at half past, by five o'clock, the sag would be over because everybody's finished doing what they need to do. Yeah. It's exactly the same with data. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't understand this where... Capitalism, that's the answer. No, it's not capitalism, though. It's stupidity. The The last time that actual data cost physical money per transfer, you know, per, per download, was back in the days of dial-up. And, and really, even before that, BBS is when you had the person running the BBS physically every time a call come in or a call was placed... 
it physically cost them money because they literally had to pay the exchange to transfer the call. So that was the last time it really actually cost money per amount of data. Yeah, so digital and, switching. Yeah, I mean, even even really in the early days of modems with the internet after BBS and it become the internet as we know it now, even then it kind of become irrelevant because once you'd place, I mean, it cost you money to place the phone call unless you had a Megapop ISP. Um, but it didn't cost the ISP money to receive the call and it didn't really, the data was that slow at that point that it, it didn't cost them any more money to have 10 connections on one modem or one connection on one modem. It didn't make any difference. Once they've bought the hardware, they've installed the hardware, they've got a, ro a shelf full of modems sitting there doing the thing that they do. Yeah. That's the end of the cost. And you're going to get that cost back whether you've got one person connected or 100 people connected. It, the total amount of connections, um, it doesn't matter. It's how many customers you've got in the customer base that pay for the connections. Yeah, they're paying monthly whether they're connected or not. Yeah. You know, there were some who you'd pay per meg and stuff like that. And yeah, okay, that, that, then that was always a reward. I mean, you work out back in the day when mobile phones come out and you pay per SMS, you used to get, what was it, 20 free SMSs a month or something. Yeah. And then it used to cost you five cents a message. Well, you work out the data or usage on that, and it works out something like a thousand dollars a meg. Yeah, they were making on <laughs> on data transmission for SMSs. You know, it's so that's money. <laughs> yeah, you know, um, so it's just that that whole mentality needs to stop. It, it just needs to stop happening. It needs to go be completely flipped around the other way. Instead of being looked upon as a limited resource, it's not a scarce commodity. Data's not a scarce commodity. It's no. <coughs> well, it shouldn't be a scarce commodity. Put it that way. You know, That's you, why a lot need... of people say with piracy, you yeah. don't lose a movie. No. You make a copy of it. It's not like you you wouldn't steal a car. Well, if I went to your place and stole your car, you don't have a car anymore. Yeah, I don't do have you? the car anymore. That's right. If I take your movie, you still got the movie, and I've got a copy of the movie too now. So you yeah, lost it but you weren't going to purchase anyway. Yeah, <laughs> like you would have just come around to my place and watched it ten times. Yeah, or I would have lent it to you. But it's the same copy of the movie. Now it just means that I don't have to be inconvenienced by lending it to you all the time. You've got your own copy. Like <laughs> it's such a dumb argument. You know, I don't. Uh, Stop stop squabbling over data. Data's, data's free. Data doesn't have a cost associated with it. Infrastructure has a cost, but your customer base pays for the infrastructure. Yep. Data transfer is part of that, like, inherent built into that infrastructure. It doesn't have a cost. Yep. <coughs> we finally like got when... a wheels rent of the week. <laughs> what grinds my gears? <laughs> I'd, I'd use that, but I think it's taken. Uh, some, some guy on a show once used it. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder if anybody had noticed. <laughs> I don't think how many people watch that show. I don't think it was very popular. Only if you talk with his voice. <laughs> no chance of that happening. <laughs> I can hardly talk with my own voice most times. So. <laughs> <laughs> but speaking of data and servers and all that is infrastructure, a name that many of you may remember back in the day, Qualcomm. Now, if you're into networking, you'd recognize that name. Um, and even back in the day, I believe they made they made phones, I think, or they at least released phones. I don't they know if they made, made them. They make chips for most of the phones they these make, days. These days, yeah, it's a lot more discreet. It's it's not like big servers and racks and cards and stuff that's in your face. It's just like little chips and stuff here. 
But Qualcomm is considering a return to the server market with a new chip and bid with a new chip with a new chip in a bid to decrease its resilience on smartphones. Bloomberg, Bloomberg News reported on Thursday, citing people's familiar with its plan. The chipmaker is seeking customers for a pro, for a product stemming from its purchase of Nvidia. The report said, "Nuvia, not Nvidia, Nuvia." My eyes are seeing letters that don't exist. <laughs> I don't know what's in my water, but I've got to stop. Uh, adding to that, Amazon Web Services has agreed to take a look at Qualcomm's offering. Last year, the chipmaker acquired Nuvia, a chip startup founded by Apple veterans with plans to put the firm's technology into smartphone, laptop, and automotive processes. Amazon confirmed it's agreed to take a look at the offering, while Qualcomm said it doesn't commit comment on rumors and directed routers to its press release when it closed the Nuvia deal in March. San Diego-based Qualcomm in July forecast fourth quarter revenue below Wall Street targets, bracing for a difficult economy and slow down a smartphone demand that could hurt its mainstay chip business. So, with Qualcomm coming back, it might be good because um, I was reading another article earlier that Google and Microsoft want to open um, more data centers. Oh, all right. But with the US's dumbass legislation on not using Chinese technology, yep. it's really um, put a put a downturn on their ability to actually do that. Oh, yeah. Um, but this... Imagine Qualcomm coming back into the deal. This is really going to open up those um, those options for them again. Yeah, I wonder if they're going to do um, ARM-based because they're pretty fast <coughs> for servers. I would imagine so. Uh, Qualcomm's they did ARM back in the day. I, I don't see why not. I mean, they're, they're cheap, they're fast, yep. they're lightweight. That's why all the phone chips are ARM. Yeah, and I mean, they've proven themselves to be reliable. Um, I, you know, I don't see why not. You know, servers these days. The, the funny thing is, you've only got to go back ten, fifteen years, and servers bottleneck was always CPU and RAM. Yep. But with the advent of SSDs and and M2s and super fast RAM, the bottleneck now is the networking. So you can have something like a Raspberry Pi four. You can run. You can hang ten gigabit connections off that and it doesn't even you know doesn't even bottleneck in in the in the pie yeah it's not the bottleneck anymore it, it's still the network you know so um some massive big switches and hubs running arm chips yeah yeah i think they'd have no trouble doing it at all and on massive massive infrastructure cooler too well yeah lower lower um power consumption lower power consumption less heat dissipation once again, less heat dissipation means less air conditioning, which means less power consumption overall for the facility. Yeah. Uh, and give them seawater now too. The, the data yeah. center on the sea or Microsoft sea. had one under the sea for a I, while. Yeah, they buried some under shipping containers. Um, Google or was it Amazon or Google had a couple of couple of big um, sticks, sea vessels. Yeah, but they. Um, one of the problems, that, and this ties into what I was going to say, one of the problems they're having also is with they were looking at using Motorola and a couple other chip manufacturers, but to build the centers and the size they were looking at building them, they weren't able to get the power that was required to those areas because they're a bit more rural and they just couldn't generate that sort of power out there, uh, even with booster transformers at the buildings. But if they're going for something like these and they end up being ARM infra infrastructure, 
um, they might be able to have enough power to do it. Yeah. So, so yeah, that's kind of cool. It's, I just saw Qualcomm coming up there, and I'm like, wow, I haven't heard that name in terms of actual servers and business. No. Like, you know, <laughs> working years ago back in 99, 2000, 2001, when I used to work in IT, a lot. I did a lot of networking stuff, and Qualcomm, Qualcomm and Netcom were your two biggest, yeah, um, your two biggest providers yeah. of most of the stuff that you used. Um, so yeah, no, it's really good to see. Hope that eventuates. Yeah. Thanks for listening to the Aussie Tech Hedge Show. We can be found at Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Email us Will or Warlock at aussietechhedge.com.au, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Thank <laughs> you.